Hello, Chelsea fans, and welcome back to episode 22 of the Roman's Empire podcast. It's been a good week. I think so. Yeah, I mean, uh, other than the final I had today where I felt a lot like uh, Newcastle and Swansea did this past week <laughs> uh, after the test. Was it more like a Swansea feel where like you were you were in it all the way through or was it more like you were in it for the first 15 it was, minutes? No, it was way more game. like the Newcastle game. I just got off to a good start and I thought, hey, I actually might have a chance in this and then t- completely got demolished that uh, second half. And oh, oh, so you were Newcastle. Yeah. Swansea. Oh, oh. oh yeah. No, yeah. I was not Chelsea. If I, if I was Chelsea, then I would have won. I, yeah. I, got, I got destroyed. Oh, well. Good yeah. luck with that. Um, yeah, thank you, sir. Really, it was a good day because we drew Norwich in the FA Cup. Actually, Norwich away, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, it's not the greatest tie ever. Like, I didn't know how I felt about it when it first came out because Norwich is one of the stronger lower league sides. But in the end, like, it's it'll be a fun trip, I guess. Do you, uh, do you, in your hierarchy of cups, would you put uh, the Carabao Cup or the FA Cup higher? Well, I know you don't rate the FA Cup, but I do. Mm-hmm. I think it has a lot of historical significance. And it's like, there's a lot of bragging rights that come along with the FA Cup. The only time the FA Cup doesn't matter is when Arsenal wins it. <laughs> you, you literally took the words out of my <laughs> mouth. I swear to God, I was I mean, going to say the same. That was, you're literally going to say the only reason why it doesn't matter is because Arsenal wins it. It's true, though. Time. Like. That's uh-huh. why I, I give them no credit. Yeah, yeah. But when Chelsea wins it, it's it's like it the most important, it's the most important tournament of all time. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Um, let's dive into this whole Chelsea Swansea nonsense because, in my opinion, that's probably the best word to describe the game. It was just ninety minutes of nonsense with one minute of Rudiger magic slash luck from a deflection. Um. So starting lineup, we had Thibaut Courtois in goal, um, Rudiger Cahill and Christensen as our back three, Zappa Costa, Marcus Alonso out wide um, with a midfield pairing of uh, Sesk and N'Golo Kante with William and Pedro um, playing an inside forward role right behind Murata. So um, I do want to start by talking about the man of the match, um, Antonio Rudiger. He balled up this game. I think it was one of his strongest Chelsea performances mm-hmm. as of as you know, as of now. Um, but yeah, I mean, he he finally netted his first Premier League goal, which is huge. Um, a deflected and goal, a Conte cross in the fifty fifth minute. I mean, I think you, it was more of like a shot. To be honest, it was a deflected shot. I think I think Golo Conte was going for goal. He do. Yeah, I, I thought he was clipping it in, and it just kind of like took a, whatever it was it's possible. Whatever it was, I mean, obviously, we'll take what we can get. Yeah, what? Rudiger being uh, benefiting from being in the right spot at the right time, but you yeah. know, covering that back post is, you know, you're gonna get a deflection. Well, he, earlier this season, an article popped up that mentioned Rudiger um, playing as a striker through the youth through through the youth ranks. Wow! So he does kind of has I mean, that nose to, for a goal. Yeah, yeah. I guess that poaching ability is there, and we did kind of see it. Who did he score against at home? Was it against Roma? No, it wasn't against Roma. It was either against Atletico or... I think it was the Carabao Cup Carab- match. Oh, was it a Carabao Cup match? Okay. I'm pretty sure. You're, you might be right. But whatever it was, I mean, I remember him scoring earlier at home, and it was kind of like another looping header uh, from a really tough angle, too. But maybe this is something that we could see more of as the season progresses. I mean, this is one of my worries about having Cahill out of the side. Um, I mean, especially as the club progresses and moves on. You know, next year Cahill is going to be playing an even smaller role than he is now, but he's easily our most effective player in set pieces. Gary Cahill. I mean, now we have Rudiger, which mm-hmm. is really comforting, I guess. Um, but another thing I I want to mention b- before we move on, he was so confident on the ball in this match. I mean, the passing, um, the dribbling. He he had a couple take ons that he completed, which were phenomenal. I mean, based on a progression we're seeing this season, do you see him being a major part of the squad moving forward? Is this a player that Antonio Conte looks at and says, you know what, he's going to be a stalwart three, four, five years down the line? Or is he just going to kind of continue this role of kind of coming in and out of the side as being like a, you know, um, a starter for a certain stretch and then, you know, 
falling victim to the rotation. I think uh, what he provides on both sides of the field is pretty undeniable. Um, he his he is his passing looks really really good. I mean, he's prone to um, being victim of mistake every once in a while here and there, but overall, he's been such a great addition to the squad, um, especially with you know the trouble that we've had with our center with our center backs this year. Uh, you know, David Luis has just been trouble. Um, you know, and obviously getting rid of uh, uh, Zuma. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it hasn't been the most stable back line that we've had in a couple of years, but um, I think that with Cahill and I mean, honestly, Cahill played really, really well this, this past game. And I think that, Oh, he was great. I think we need to give him a little bit credit because he's been playing really well the past couple of games. And of course, Christensen has been stepping up. Mm-hmm. Um, also, also in this game, William, again, another good performance by him. I think he, you know, it's going to sound really cliche, but I think out of like all of our players that played, um, it was game was Wednesday, right? Yeah. That, this past Wednesday, it's gonna sound cliche, but I think he played with the most heart, and I was just really impressed by his performance. He was he was awesome, especially in those. You don't. Before I mention it, or before I forget, excuse me. One thing that William does better than any other Chelsea player is get that yard of space when it looks scientifically and mathematically impossible to get that extra yard of space that little flick he does where he kind of wiggles his foot over the ball and then just like oh yeah like kind of like deeks over to the right and just gets that little extra yard he is the best player on our roster when it comes to those types of situations i think his first step is actually quicker than hazard's and that's exactly how he scored uh the game winning or game tying goal last week he did that exact oh, against same Liverpool, move yeah. yeah he did that same yeah. exact move Created a little bit of space. And that's just all enough. he needs, honestly. Yeah, he, he's very good at getting the ball out from under his feet. Um in, in a match like this, I think I think Willian was a perfect selection. I mean, I think the 4-3-3 was a perfect selection in general, but that's besides the point. But, you know, I really ex- when I saw the lineup come out initially, I thought Pedro was gonna have a field day. And to a certain extent, you know, he did play really well, but my standout up top was definitely Willian, more so than Murata in this match, even. Um just creating that little bit of space and creating chances from nothing, especially against a Swansea team that had almost what ten of their players in the box at all times. I mean, they sat really deep. They they didn't even attempt to play f- proper football against us. Yeah, well, they had um, two shots total, Swansea. Yeah, compared to our twenty-one. Um, so I mean, obviously the most lopsided match of the season in terms of stats. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think we mentioned the score, but it was Chelsea 1, Swansea 0. The score definitely flattered to deceive. I mean, it, or, or... Yeah, we didn't score until the 55th minute. So yeah, it, the whole game was pretty much a series of us getting close and Fabianski just having... A more, career day. <laughs> having some insane saves. <laughs> he, made, he made some ridiculous saves. We actually have an Arsenal friend that texted us and was like, wow, Fabianski is having a worldie today. And I'm just like... Yeah, and you guys let him go, so you know, suck on that. But then he he was quick to remind us that Fabianski's actually a crap goalkeeper, um, which is true. I mean, I don't really rate him much, yeah. but I mean, as far as like actually saving shots, he's good. But as far as like positioning himself, uh, positioning himself and like dealing with crosses and stuff, he's not necessarily like the best quality. One thing I want to mention, and it has nothing to do with Chelsea, but Alfie Mawson. If he's not on that English World Cup squad, that'll be pretty disappointing. He had an absolutely incredible match against us. I haven't seen a center back play that well against the Chelsea side in a really, really long time. Um, He just looks really composed on the ball, 1v1 defending. He's great at tracking runners. He's big. He's physical. This is the type of guy that, you know, at least when I was watching him, I don't see him playing at a small club like Swansea for much longer before one of the big boys decided to put in a bid. He he looks like a quality center half. Um, I do want to talk about this Antonio Conte thing, though. He was sent to the stands um, after a botched Neil Swarbrick call. I just want to say something about Neil Swarbrick. I know I talk shit about most of the refs um, in the Premier League. Um, my favorites, Michael Oliver, personally, I just think he controls the games better than most refs. Um, but Neil Swarbrick is a sad excuse of a referee. I mean, has it 
is is am I just like noticing it more this year, or is it this is literally like we've had no good refs at all this year? I feel like I think I think the thing with with our season this year is that we're not getting as lucky with calls as we were last year. I think last year we 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 got really lucky. There was a couple of times, you know, I can't remember specific instances, but I remember there were some times where, man, we could have had a guy sent off or I we could have given up a penalty and they just didn't call it. The, our past three games, I think we've had like three four or five performances. Four, I mean, I'm saying in the, the four or five like tackles that should have been penalties against uh, the other team and they, they, they can do a no call. Yeah, but I guess I guess on the flip side is that we do get a little lucky here and there. Like, Danny Drinkwater should have been sent off versus Liverpool. Uh, yeah, actually. That's true. And and he didn't. And I feel like part of the reason why that was is because it was so early in the match and the ref just doesn't want to throw away a marquee matchup on a Saturday night under the lights in Anfield. But to there, there has to be a line that needs to be drawn by, you know, whatever association is in charge of the referees. He missed a penalty call, and Antonio Conte was apparently Antonio Conte wasn't even arguing that he was or arguing he missed the time corner. wasting. He missed a corner. Yeah, 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 penalty, yeah, 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 yeah. He missed he missed an obvious corner, but Antonio Conte was apparently arguing with him over about time wasting. And next thing you know, he gets sent to the stands, and then he decides to go sit next to a couple lucky fans. Yeah, and then gets sent to the back. Honestly, it was hilarious. You need to rewatch the video of the actual ref uh, coming up and talking to him. You gotta when you're watching it, look at uh, Swansea's bench right at the end. There's this guy like just watching it happen. The look on his face is priceless. It's it's hilarious. Was but it one of their assistants? I I don't know who he was, but he was sitting on the. He was like at the edge of the bench. Like looking and like his, the look on his face, like anyone who's listening has to look it up and watch it. It's so funny. But I mean, Conte yelling about the corner, like honestly, it wouldn't have helped us at all, really. We had 15 corners that game and converted on none of them. Um, I kind of want to like mention just like what you think we could have done better that game. I mean, I think the obvious one is just the whole putting the ball in the back of the net business. <laughs> Yeah, we were not, yeah, we weren't being clinical. We 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 should have been way 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 more clinical in this match. One thing that did kind of bother me as I was watching it was I don't know, is it just me or does sometimes a sub like like the whole substitution business kind of irk you? Like I feel like Antonio Conte should have brought Hazard on earlier on in the match. I mean, at least at the half. I don't see the difference in letting him get a 20-minute run out or a 45-minute run out. I, I still think that he's getting rest regardless. Mm-hmm. I think fatigue only really kicks in when you when you play a full 90 because, I mean, an hour and a half of football is a lot. But why not bring him on at the half? Like, he's in form. Clearly he's in form. And, 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 and he's our, he's been our best player in the last month or two. Bring him on earlier. Close the game out. Let everyone relax. I just – I don't know. Yeah, he's he's been very wishy-washy in bringing in subs, and like by the time he does bring them in, and it's not like in the situation when we're up and we want to bring out a starter to you know like give him rest. It's more of the situations where we're in trouble and we need one of our starters to come in, and he puts one of them in, but it's like there's only like ten minutes left in the game, so really what happened, is it, what is he going to do it happened with Fabregas against Liverpool mm-hmm. i feel like if we sub Fabregas in maybe 5 or 10 minutes earlier we would have won that game easily yeah if there was 5 more minutes of added time we probably would have scored again i mean it was it was just it, it, it's very frustrating and i still think that conte goes out to win matches initially but you know when it does come down to it and and he takes a game situation you know, into consideration. I feel like he does get pragmatic as the match goes on. If the yeah. result isn't going his way, yeah. But maybe some awareness of that a little bit sooner than you know the 80th minute would be nice. Yeah, I yeah. I, I kind of want to mention um, Zapacosto's performance because again, um, another another match of his where you know the talk his talk uh, when we first got him the talk of the town was pretty much. You know, how he would, it was amazing at setting up his crosses. You know, he's one of the main uh, contributing factors to Belotti's amazing season this past season, um, assisting on so many of his goals. And 
really, I mean, he's been, I talked about it last week too. He's been crossing the ball a lot. He's been in the positions, but his crosses have not been quality. They've been, they've been very inaccurate. I mean, you can tell the difference between a good cross and a bad cross when you see um, Zapacosta play. And then when you watch, mm-hmm. when you, when you watch Victor Moses play, I mean, not this game, but in the next game that the cross, uh, uh, in, uh, against Newcastle, that was like spot on right there. I I I don't know about that. I mean, we always talk about this grace period of, of of players that come into the Premier League. They need like a certain amount of a lot of time to just kind of like you know get some experience under their belt and get used to the pace of the match. I think part of Zapacosta's performances is a result of him still trying to get used to the league. And I'm not I'm not going to use this next excuse as an excuse, but it's just a thought. The pitch sizes in the Premier League are a lot smaller than they are in other places in Europe where they have full-size stadiums with tracks around them. Um, even if it is a few meters or so, like, the field, the, the pitches are a little bit smaller. I mean, that, that's a fact. Um, but maybe that has, like, a little contributing factor to do with it. I mean, the increased athleticism in the league and the actual pitch size, yeah, maybe I mean, that but has a little bit to do with it. That would make sense. I mean, the athleticism. If it was, if he wasn't be able to create these chances, but I mean, he's a lot faster than most of the players. I mean, like he's got very. When he's at full speed. He is really. I think he's faster than Victor Moses at full speed. Yeah, it's it's very deceiving. His looks like he doesn't look like he's that fast for, for some reason, but he is. And I mean, he's getting to the spots that he needs to be on the field to, um, you know give a quality cross in but it just it hasn't been that hasn't been the case so far this season but i mean i i think he'll pick it up that's why we brought him in i think and he hasn't been doing exactly the the, the thing that we brought him in to do well before we move on to this newcastle game and, and praise victor moses i we should talk about victor moses's substitute performance Oof. in the uh in the swansea match I don't think I've seen a substitute come onto the field from any team in any league in any game I've ever watched and give the ball away more than Victor Boses did. It was very, very discouraging to say the least, right? Yeah, I mean, I thought you know, watching this game, I just thought, wow, he's going to need a couple more games and, you know, maybe play in like a cup match just to, you know, I don't know if he's ready to play in a Premier League game just to, you know, because he's coming back from injury. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's expected from someone to play like that, but you know, he was out there looking like a real uh, Renato Sanchez at times. <laughs> this Renato Sanchez kid, I mean, <laughs> played so well from in the, the Euros. Euros, man. He's so good. Everyone he was, was hyped, so hyped. He was on one him. of the first players I bought in FIFA 16 <laughs> or FIFA 17 when when a transfer window opened. I was like, ooh, this this kid has a lot of potential. But what the hell is going on with him? Like. It's honestly one of the biggest mysteries of football. And the sad thing is you watch him and you watch you watch the actual player and not the performance. And you think to yourself, wow, he has everything in his locker. But the performances are just not showing. I don't know. It's it's. And I think the play of the match was definitely his pass to the Carabao logo. Oh, that was great. Yeah, that spot, was on. Yeah, spot yeah. on. Spot on. Literally to nobody. It was like 10 yards behind his teammate. But he hit the logo spot on. Yeah, it was perfect. Um, so let's talk about this Chelsea 3 Newcastle 1 business. Courtois in goal, Christensen um, back in the middle of the back three with Rudiger and uh, Aspilicueta coming back to the starting lineup on, on each side of him. So Yay. Victor Moses uh, out on the right wing, um, a very, very sketchy uh, starting berth for him. Um, Marcus Alonso on the left, Danny Drinkwater, and N'Golo Conte. So for all the footballing purists out there, you finally we get your wish. Got it. They finally start next to each other, um, shielding our back four or our, shielding our back three with Fabregas sitting in front, um, and Hazard and Murata playing as well. And I mean, I'm I was really I'm been really happy with the way that Drinkwater's been playing, but I don't know if it's actually because of how well he's been playing, or if it's because I'm comparing him to how poorly bakioko has been playing and he's been replacing him yeah it might be a little bit of both honestly but i just think Drinkwater well. is a lot more of a mature footballer i think he makes better footballing choices within the pace of the match like you know when, when he receives the ball with little with you know 
a little bit of time. He doesn't try to dribble around his defender. I think, you know, he he tends to find the open man more and create space. He's better at one touch passing, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I've been impressed with with Drinkwater more than anything is it's his ability to protect the back line. You know, he he's not he's not the biggest, he's not the strongest, he's not the fastest or the most athletic, but he's just a very very smart player who knows how to position himself and cut off passing lanes. And I feel like that's why him and N'Golo Kante were so successful at Leicester. I mean, obviously they didn't win the title by N'Golo Kante running, doing all the running for, you know, Danny Drinkwater all season. Danny Drinkwater actually held his own that year. And, yeah, of course. And he's starting to find his own in the Chelsea side. Um, I know after the match he said he was delighted with the you know his first 90 minutes since, what what was it, like last February or something like that. Um and that's great. It's it's honestly good to see, and, and and I'm glad that we have a quality footballer in Drinkwater. I I hope he's shutting up all of the, uh, all of the uh, the Twitter trolls that are clowning on him because you know he cost Nemanja Matic money. I think it's a good purchase, and I I said it from before, and I'm gonna continue to stick by it. I think he's gonna produce the goods for Chelsea Football Club. I think he'll be a very good player for us moving down the line. Yeah, you know who's been producing the goods and I mean the greats for the us greats. lately. Eden Hazard, um, yeah, he's continuing his tear. Pat, the the last ten matches, he scored eight goals and uh, had three assists. So he's been playing out of his mind. He lately. had a ridiculous who scored dot com rating. So he had a nine point nine out of ten. Whoa! Um, he had nine total shots in the match, six of them on target. He could have had four if he really wanted to, but uh, Swansea's keeper. I mean Swansea. Newcastle's keeper just decided to have another worldie, so he had two back-to-back worldie matches. Yeah, you, it's funny how you consider a worldie giving up three goals, but still. No, know, but, co- but considering that he got peppered, like absolutely peppered throughout the whole entire match, it was just. Yeah. He 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 had a good performance. I mean, there's no, there's no there's no other way around that. Um, he had eight dribbles, um, and and this is a stat that I like the most about Eden Hazard in this match. 79 touches very nice so we always say you know a a hazard can get kicked out of a match if he does get kicked and kicked often early he tends to drift in and out of matches in this one he was getting kicked but he still managed to get 79 touches on the ball and when you look at numbers like that you want your best player to be getting i don't know 65 plus touches a match mm-hmm. um that way you know it'll allow him to produce the goods and and that's exactly what he did in this match very very good performance very strong but what aspect of the way he's playing now do you think um is the most appealing for Chelsea fans that are watching i think it's just like his ability to finish in so many different ways um, so you've, you've seen him score, you know, with with the ball at his feet, making a quick move to get his shot off, either low in the corner or you know a high, strong driving shot, or you know like his goal against Newcastle. He's just so good at like shooting the ball into the ground and having it bounce up over he the. Did goalie. it against Arsenal last year? Yeah, I mean that's yeah. that's exactly the one I'm talking about, mm-hmm. and, and you know I'm thinking about when I when I see that, and it's like you know when, there's a like there's players that have like one or two ways of finishing and I think that Hazard just has so many different ways to He scored with his head this year also. Yeah. Which is I, I mean, mean from... I, it was funny when he scored he started pointing at his head. He was like, ah, see? <laughs> I do have a head, yeah. But and I think it's I think it's the best part about him scoring is when, you know, the whole team comes and give him gives him a hug. It just kind of puts in perspective how short he is. Like, and Golo Conte oh. is, is, might have a little bit of size on him. I think they're around the same size. It's actually funny to see because, like, you know, like, he, first he starts celebrating with Fabregas and, like, you know, Maratha comes in. Maratha's a very big guy, but, mm-hmm. like, initially it's usually Fabregas walks up to him or Willian or one of those, like, smaller guys. But when he scores now, you see, like, these towering lumbering center halves like Rudiger and Christensen and Cahill and those guys are just monsters even Bakioko like he just gets dwarfed around those guys one thing I want to mention before we move on from talking about Hazard um, I think this formation change has reinvented his game because you talked about the different types of goals he scored those are results of different runs that he's making different supporting runs Um, just his movements in general are just very very different to what we're used to usually we're usually we see him out 
out wide on one of the flanks, cutting in you know on the left flank, cutting into his right and creating from there. Or we see him at the edge of the penalty box, you know, with the tippy tappy business with Cesc Fabregas. But this year, it's a lot more direct. It's a lot more incisive. Um, and to be honest, it's a lot more lethal. He made two separate runs in this match where a ball came over the top and he brought it down. It was one-on-one with the keeper. Unfortunately, the keeper blocked both of them. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. He could have scored four goals. But the very first shot on target we had all match where Fabregas played a beautiful clipped ball over the top and he just tried to tap it over the keeper. You will never see Nazard making those types of runs two or three years ago. And I think that's that has everything to do with Antonio Conte. Yeah, I think, I mean, he's been playing more of like this false nine role. And mm-hmm. I think that's just, I think he might have found his, his natural niche. position. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He, I don't know if, if the wing was meant for, for his kind of play. And you, I mean, you have to, of course, give Murata a lot of credit for A, commanding a lot of the attention as well. B, being able to hold up the ball well and then also just his ability to play play the ball to him i mean mm-hmm. he both like both of those contributing factors adding Murata and um him the formation switch by conte has been crucial one thing i did notice in this match um that i think can't go unmentioned I don't know about, you know, you folks in England or overseas who are listening to this, but in the United States, NBC Sports does, I mean, the broadcasting. A lot of the camera angles of Hazard in this match are of him smiling. And we talk about those Madrid rumors and how it's more a matter of when, not if, with him. I think right now, at this point in time, he looks happy at Chelsea and he looks happy with the role he's playing. He said it before, all he wants to do is get out there and play football and when you're playing football in a system like this that allows you to be who you are and allows you to be as creative as you want to be, um, when you have a creative player like Hazard, I just think it goes perfectly together. It's a very happy marriage, and hopefully it is a matter of if and not when, um, but we'll see. Yeah, so obviously Hazard uh, scored two goals this match, but you know, starting off... Uh, uh, Newcastle scored in the first eight minutes, uh, so we started off down one nil. Kind of looked like one of those matches. What, what, what did you think when you saw that first goal, and how how did you think we would respond? I was honestly not very worried because normally I would get the very Chelsea feeling where a team scores first on us, and you just you know we're gonna lose three nothing or two nil. That's kind of how I felt. Um, I didn't feel like that because I thought our, our our start to the game was really was really good and that goal was totally a fluke. I think it was what was it Marcus Alonso tried to clear it and it deflected off of mm-hmm. N'Golo Conte or some yeah. absurd deflection that just fell perfectly to Dwight Gale. That was their only really good goal scoring opportunity all match. Well, and and, and uh, uh, Tebow made a really nice save and it was the deflection. Yeah, it was a deflection yeah. that was that was uh, finished off. Well, you know, I think if you just look at the rest of their performance, it kind of tells the story of the match. I mean, 66% possession, 23 shots, nine of them on target, a total of 943 total touches, um, 744 of them passes. I mean, just looking at those numbers, I mean, uh, proof is in the pudding, you know, for lack of a better phrase. Like, we dominated this match in every single way. I think that these these are the kinds of games that – define whether a team is elite or not mm-hmm. you know because grind usually, it out yeah usually when a team goes down really early it's hard it's, it's, it's really hard to like get the morale back but i i think like them scoring kind of pissed off everyone on on our team was like you know we're not gonna let them just like walk all over us and score off the stupid deflection goal we're gonna destroy them and it's not gonna be like one of those Swansea matches where we just we dominate them and only win one nil we're actually going to destroy them I just like the response I think the team was very frustrated by the Swansea match even though we walked away with all three points and I think we came out with a you know with a goal in mind and the team wasn't going to settle for anything less and it was honestly great to see but this obviously I mean it attests to to Conte's you know um, locker room presence and dressing room presence. I mean, this team very, very rarely doesn't look hyped for a game. And in the Newcastle match, it was no different. I mean, we came out we came out strong. We conceded a goal early, but that didn't bring us down. You know, we, we finished off strong, and it easily could have been 5-1 or 6-1. Um, 
But you want to talk about someone that came back and played really well, Victor Moses. We're finally done talking shit about you. Um, <laughs> Welcome back. It was a man on a mission, dude. Honestly, four shots, um, one of them on target, won two aerials, a key pass, which turned out to be an assist with an 85% uh, pass success rate. I just want to say something before we even start. Um, Matt Ritchie is not a left wing back. And Rafa Benitez has no defensive bones in his body because it doesn't take a very smart manager to realize that an attacking talent like Matt Ritchie is being completely wasted on the left-hand side playing wing back, chasing around Victor Moses all match. What a bonehead move on his part. Um, yeah, okay. I mean, you said it You said it best. He, he, Rafa, Rafa does not have a defensive bone in his body. He, no. just can't, he just hasn't been able to figure that there's out his liter- whole career. There's literally nothing, and that's like the one pitfall of his whole career is that like he, he cannot set teams up defensively. And In a match like this where you're playing against the champions of England, like you're going into their stomping ground. What makes you think that playing proper football is going to get you an, a result there? I mean, especially after watching the Swansea match, Swansea played very defensive, and they were in the match the whole entire time. Even though we were dominating... They still had a chance. Rafa Benitez never gave Newcastle that chance. Yeah, they nicked their early goal. That was a fluke, and everyone mm. saw that. But then we put in two in a span of 11 minutes. It only took us eight minutes to respond. That's just no defensive bones in your body. Like, I, I don't know how else to say it. Yeah, so en- yeah, enough of uh, Rafa. Let's get back to Victor Moses because I, I kind of want to talk about, um, first of all, that, that cross uh, to Murata. That was probably... The cross of the season, right? I mean, that's besides Zapacosta's against Karabakh. <laughs> you mean the goal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or Williams, or Williams cross, yeah. <laughs> uh, all three of them ended up in goals, but um, one of them, only one of them was an assist. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was the, this is exactly what I want to see from a wing back um, the ability to cross that ball in because when we have a guy like Murata um, who loves to score by his head and almost exclusively scores with his head um that's the kind of thing that we need and i mean we're fortunate that like two defenders barely missed the ball but it was like just spot on i mean how how important is a guy like victor moses to our squad to our squad i mean he's he's basically irreplaceable we talk about zapacosa earlier and he's more of a natural defender right um he's more of a straight line sprinter a uh, natural defender who just likes to whip crosses in, whereas we have a Victor Moses-type player who maybe defensively is shaky at times, but he's a natural winger, and he just loves to have the ball at his feet with a bunch of green grass in front of him and 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 in 1v1 situations. And we isolated him on that side against Matt Ritchie, and he ripped him to shreds every single time. Matt Ritchie had no idea. There was one point where Victor Moses received the ball in the first half, and Matt Ritchie is maybe standing eight yards away from him, and it looked like he was trembling. His feet were moving, you know, it kept changing his angle that he was that he wanted to defend Victor Moses with, and that's what we need. We need a player who poses that threat to just run at people and just absolutely destroy them. Yeah, definitely the different option than when we have Zapacosta out there. You know, Zapacosta is more of like defensive like solid defensively Moses provides that more fluid attack mm-hmm. um out of the two which one do you prefer in our in our best starting 11 well we won the league with Victor Moses yeah and it wasn't even that it wasn't even winning a league that sold me on him to be completely honest i was sold on him after the atletico match um this past Champions League or whatever the, the last the time he played, leg, yeah. yeah, the last time we played Atletico, that was hard to say. But <laughs> the last time we played Atletico, Victor Moses balled up, man. He was everywhere on the pitch that game, creating chances, solid defensively. Um, he bossed Felipe Luis that match, and to be honest, it's not easy bossing a player of that quality. Um, I'm just so happy to have him back. Yeah, yeah. It's it's honestly, I didn't realize how much I missed him until he came back and I saw him in this match. I take Victor Moses just because of the way he compliments uh, Marcus Alonso. Marcus Alonso is more of a Zapacosa type where he's solid defensively, good in the air, and is only good for whipping and crosses attacking-wise besides like hitting the occasional free kick. Um, yeah, you don't need the same player on both sides. No, Victor Moses gives you something different if you want to go with a more 
um, direct approach, you obviously go with Victor Moses type player. So but that's you, what I you do. You know how much Conte loves his defense. So I mean, yeah, what, yeah. The, what we prefer is not necessarily what the boss prefers. No, I, I mean besides besides the whole Victor Moses thing and the Hazard thing, I mean there really wasn't much left in the match. Um, our defense looked extremely solid, and we don't talk about him much. He's kind of become our unsung hero. Um, but Andreas Christensen played a phenomenal match yet again. Great week. We, we all, yeah, yeah, great a, a great week. I mean, ever since he came into the starting 11, it, I know it's not in the script, Sam, and you know I, I don't really care. I'm going to ask it anyways because I think it's a great question to ask at this point in time. Do you even think David Luiz will have a chance at getting a starting spot back? I don't think so. I think – I mean, I, I mean, and maybe for certain games, but like our best – He's not even he's not in our top four best center backs right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'd, I'd put I'd in I'd put Rudiger form, over him. Yeah, in terms obviously, of form, I take Cahill over him. And, yeah, and Aspie. Obviously, yeah, obviously you take Aspie over him. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you're rotating them, then I don't know where David Luiz falls in. I mean, maybe you want to sit two guys and you know play Rudiger and David Luiz at the same time, but I think they both are kind of like the same type of defender. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I don't know how much more time he's going to have with our squad. Love him, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, we still love him. And I, it just, Andreas Christensen just looks, I mean, for all my Danish friends, Chris from Denmark specifically. Yes. He does look like a top, top, top class. Emphasis on top class center back. Um, it would be no surprise to me if he did. Um, come up when we talk about like top five best center backs in the world in a couple years um let's get into this uh this champions league yeah. match because it's it's the last game of the of the group stages um obviously the we game qualified yeah i mean and we're recording this on a monday so the game is tomorrow um we get to host atletico i think uh our first leg against Atletico was probably one of our most impressive performance of the season. Um, you know, and for that to, to come in a Champions League match, I think that it's so important that we've we've had these past two games. Um, and coming into this game on Tuesday, I think we're in really, really good form. Mm-hmm. Um, so, High on confidence, too. Yeah. So what what do you think we need to do to win this game? Well, I think the first thing that we need to talk about is Atletico's threat and how to neutralize it. Their only threat really is through Antoine Griezmann. If we can neutralize Antoine Griezmann like we did in the first leg, I think we'll I think we'll be fine. Obviously, he scored on us, but it was a penalty. Um, and besides that penalty, sh- that 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 whole match, he didn't really have a sniff at goal. He didn't have any key passes. You know, he wasn't really taking players on. He wasn't himself and. We really disturbed them in that respect, and I think in, in in a match like this where we play Atletico again, I think Diego Simeone's going to try and be a little bit more creative in the way he deploys Griezmann, and I think Antonio Conte needs to be wary of it, and uh, and, and needs to neutralize that threat. Um, obviously, you know Griezmann's their main threat, but I think a big way of neutralizing his threat is by bringing in our wing backs and by playing them extremely extremely wide um that way it gives us more defensive cover for one um but they also got to be ready to run because that counter attack is going to be on for atletico that's their only that's their only means of scoring really yeah you know i mean they they earlier this season they had real trouble uh scoring goals but they they've scored 12 goals in the past four matches uh they've scored 10 in the past three matches they seem so. like the only team in la liga that's not Flound, like you know, currently floundering or, or wavering in any way. I mean, Valencia, Real Madrid, and Barcelona have all been recently dropping points, and Atleti has still been taking all three. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're sitting third right now, primarily. I mean, in a La Liga right yeah, now, but yeah. I mean, well, that's just because Valencia has just had an absurd season so far. Yeah, somehow Simone Zaza, you know, is turned into a footballer overnight after that ridiculous penalty in the Euros. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, you know, Atletico, of course, I mean, their their main focus is never, their identity has never been their goal scoring. It's mm-hmm. been it's been their defense. Yeah. And this team, they love to sit back. They love to absorb pressure. You know, they have a world-class back line. Um, they have a capability to making the field very, very compact. We talked about it 
you know, last time he played them. It's so crucial that our wingbacks come out to play. And I think that this is going to be a game where um, if we end up, you know, starting Victor Moses again, even though it might be on short rest, um, I think it's going to be like this. This could be a game where he really flourishes and shows off his his ability. Yeah, I think Victor Moses is going to be crucial in this match. I, I, I think he gets a start, to be honest. Just because he has that ability to take defenders one-on-one and create a little bit of space to, to whip a ball into a dangerous area. Whereas, like we said, Zapacosa is a lot more, you know, he, he he's very one-dimensional in that respect. You know, he just kind of kicks the ball past defenders and sends in a cross where Victor Moses could, you know, um, break apart a defense with, with, with his dribbling ability alone. Um, if we don't score on them in the first half, I think it's going to be incredibly difficult to get any sort of result from this game because Athleti is a team that that thrives on on having the odds stacked against them for one and are also a team that grows in confidence as the match goes on and i mean this match for them it, they're going to be desperate they're going to be fighting for their lives mm-hmm. we have to go out there and do the same yeah because right now they're they're sitting in third mm-hmm. um you know and they have a chance to i still qualify should roma drop points against Karabag. Mm-hmm. so i mean and it's it's it seems like it wouldn't be a Champions League knockout stage without Atletico Madrid. So I mean, it just wouldn't feel right. Right, and yeah. so you know, it, I they're definitely in a you know never say die attitude right now, and uh, well, that's how it is with all of with all of Diego Simeone. Teams, yeah, right. That's like, true. I I honestly would love to see him in the Premier League, but I would hate to see him on opposite touchline. Like it's it would be scary. It would be really really scary. Um, but score predictions going into this, what are you thinking? I mean, obviously Roma's favored the beat Carabag, so um, they are playing in Rome in that match also. So if that result does go Chelsea's way, obviously Athleti is going to take note of it and maybe their performance will drop off. Hopefully Roma kills off the Carabag match by halftime. Mm-hmm. So Athletic comes back and says, shit, now we have to score four goals and beat Chelsea, mm-hmm. you know, which not going to happen. Yeah. Um, I don't want to curse it, but I mean, score predictions, I mean, just based on face value without situations, without, without you know, external situations. Well, I mean, I think that they, you do have to put in the external situation because they need a win and they're not going to play conservative. They're not going to play for a draw or anything like that. So I think that this is going to leave them a little bit exposed. Um, and I think Chelsea is going to come up with a 2-0, maybe 3-0 lead and win. Wow. Yeah, I'm actually expecting, expecting us to play really well. Yeah, I don't. I mean, the way our defense has been playing lately, mm-hmm. the only goal was, uh, you know, a lucky deflection for both uh, – the the Liverpool goal and for the Newcastle goal. They've been the lucky deflections. But I think if we keep down the mistakes, we'll be able to shut them down for sure. I'm going to go with a Danny Drinkwater first Chelsea goal. I'm going to go one nil Chelsea. I just think that this is a, this is going to be one of those games where Conte is going to be wary of the weekend matchup. Um, He's going to put out a strong side, but you know, they're the ones with the pressure on them. So I think we are going to be sort of pragmatic in this game. He's going to know that Atletico is going to attempt to come on to us. And I think we're going to hit him on the counter. I think Danny Drinkwater has been making a lot of great late runs. And I'm going to go 1-0. Danny, Danny Drinkwater. Hopefully he'll make me drink some beer. We'll see. Um, Moving on. That wasn't funny. That wasn't good. I did smirk. You didn't, you didn't hear that on the podcast? Yeah, but come on, guys. We're gonna lose listeners if my jokes remain the same. It's Don't worry, I'm I'm carrying the I'm carrying the, the put the humor. podcast on your back. Yeah, right? I'm carrying the humor. You you got the brains and I got the looks and the humor. You know. Uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, and definitely the they know exactly what I look like. Yeah, if you had the if you had the looks, if I had to compare you to a soccer player looks wise, I'd probably. Ooh, I don't know. I'd Fernando Torres, you... right? Yeah, David no, Beckham. No, I'm thinking of more like a Julian Lescott. <sighs> Alright, West Ham. Um, Ham. Yeah, let's talk about West Ham. So, London Derby, obviously, um, Chelsea will be traveling to the London Stadium for this. It's going to be heated. It's going to be bloody. There's going to be controversy. There's going to be cards. 
there's going to be about four or five West Ham fans getting arrested. And there's going to be one ginger center back. <laughs> and there's going to be one extremely good-looking striker. And I'm not talking about Andy Carroll. No, I don't think anyone. I don't think anyone thought you were talking about Andy Carroll. Andy Carroll looks like a woman, kind of like, like an ugly woman. He's very pretty, right? <laughs> like, like, like he's not good looking. Like I, I when don't you see a guy, he's... you go, "Oh, he's good looking." Andy Carroll's very pretty. I don't know. He's just very feminine looking. He could definitely, you know, do that whole Caitlyn Jenner thing. Um, oh, he can get it, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Not. Um, <laughs> So let's talk about our record versus West Ham. I mean, in the past, we played them 109 times. 49 of them wins, 20 of them draws, 39 of them losses. I do think that's irrelevant, though, Sam, because their last six Premier League fixtures have been absolutely dreadful. Draw, loss, loss, draw, loss, loss. That could be a song. It could be a song, and it could... It could mean relegation for them. They're sitting Ooh. in 19th. They conceded 32 goals in the last 15 matches. That offic- that makes them the worst defense in the whole division. Ooh. How how Shout could a team How could a team that, you know, adds Chicharito and you know, really, I mean, Qu- that, they they added quality. They they added Marco Arnautovic. Yeah, how can this team be lined up for, for relegation yeah, yeah. i mean it's that's the defense you already said it you know you can't you can't win if if you're letting up more goals than you score i'll tell you what the problem is the problem is they let slavon bilic stay on too long and they only added to that problem by hiring arguably the worst manager in english football at the moment in terms of form and david moyes um why? Like, like, uh, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, I don't understand this, man. Why not bring back Big Sam? Because he's 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 a pro at bringing at, at keeping teams up. I just, I don't know. I don't get it. There's some managerial appointments where I just, I just think to myself, how do the how do these guys still have jobs? Give someone else a chance. Maybe someone on a small time podcast that gets between 150 200 listeners a week. You know that lives in Los Angeles, Ooh. fairly good looking, right? Talking about I feel me, like, right? I feel like I can do, do a better it. job oh. at managing a football club than David Moyes. I really, really, genuinely feel that way, and that's not a fluke. That's just fact. I don't know. Where is he? Where is he? He was at Sunderland last year, right? He was at Sunderland. And then before, after, after the appointment in, in Man United, yeah, he was in, yeah, Real Sociedad. David Moyes. That was his David Moyes. That was his name. <laughs> um, but, I mean, just talk about their shitty defense. Fabregas, Azard, and Murata. If they do get the start, a part of me does think 3 4 3 for this match with William and Pedro. But yeah, regardless, I, I think we should be able to feast on this back line because they have gaps so wide and so many channels that they allow other teams to run into. Maybe we get maybe we get all three points from this game. Maybe it's easy, but at the same time, it's a London derby, and West Ham always comes to play against us specifically. Um, yeah, we don't. I don't think we like each other very so, much. I mean, I mean, besides taking advantage of their crap defense, well, what what else do you think is is important to note going into this match? Um, I, I mean, David Moyes, like we've been, we've as, as if we haven't talked enough shit about him. Um, on the defensive side, on the offensive side, he's his. You know, they're definitely not known for being um, prolific. Yeah, for not being int- intricate. They they just deliver a bunch of long balls, you know, over and over again. You know, I mean, who wouldn't with a you know big guy like Andy Carroll up top? Probably um, one of the best uh, uh, players when it comes to knocking the down ball into the penalty area. Uh, yeah, as, as pretty as he is, and as so, much I mean, as I hate him, it's gonna give. It's gonna give Chelsea a tough time that back line but I mean I think this might um we might be seeing a uh a back line consisting of Cahill Rudy uh Rudiger and uh Christensen again just to get that size factor yeah exactly because I mean that I think that's (laughs) that's really their only plan of attack and uh you know Chicharito he scored four goals this season but um still I think Andy Carroll's their main weapon. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, it's most likely most likely going to be a bloodbath. London derbies are never pretty. They're never. I mean, sometimes they may be aesthetically pleasing to the neutral, but 
West Ham specifically, I mean, if it's not if it's not their players, you know, drawing blood on their opponents, it's usually their fans. Um, and they're going to take note of that. It's going to be physical. It's going to be dirty. There's going to be cards. West Ham has 32 yellow cards and two red cards in the first 15 matches in this season. <laughs> so we talked about the disciplinary record of Newcastle. I should have Googled West Ham before that because I think – I would be shocked if another side had a worse disciplinary record than these guys. But again, I mean, the same thing ties in with the Newcastle match. We can't get into their mind games. We can't let their physicality and, you know, their willingness to play dirty and use the dark arts to get to our heads. Um, with that being said, I think prediction time. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go 2 0. Yeah, I, I'm actually going to go 2 0 also. Nice. I'm going to go with. I think it's about time Pedro gets a goal. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. He's been due. He's he's way overdue for a goal. Um he hasn't even gotten really like completely firing this season, which no, is I don't think which is good for us. I'm a, bit, I'm a big fan of his. I love him. I, I honestly I honestly get confused as to why Conte usually plays William in the hazard role when he gets subbed off instead of Pedro. I feel like Pedro's just a more natural number nine. Mm-hmm. But anyways, yeah, I'm gonna go two nil. I'm gonna say Pedro gets it nicks a goal. That would be nice. I'd love it. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I'd like to see Victor Moses score actually if he plays. He hasn't scored this season yet, huh? No. Yeah, he, I want to see one of his uh, one of his backflips. They're pretty <laughs> awesome. That dude's athletic as fuck. <laughs> um, but I mean that that does bring us to the end, Psalm. So we had a long one this week. It's a little over fifty minutes. Yeah, it was. It's a, it's a we little long, little, but I think it's it was okay. Qu- that, that quality fifty-one minutes. Though. Yeah, you know that's how she likes it. What else could he say? No, nah, nice, nice and quick job. Nice and quick. Yeah, it wasn't like one of those quick two-minute ones like last week. Um, I said too much. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter uh, at Romans Empire Pod. Uh, email us Romans Empire Pod at gmail dot com. Look for us on SoundCloud, iTunes. Um, shout us out. Let us know what you think. Um, you probably got, saw us get banned on Reddit recently. Fuck yeah. Damn, did we really? We did get banned on Reddit. We got banned for 14 days, and then I wound up talking to the moderator. It was really cool. But then a different moderator hit me up and said, like, yo, that's it. You guys are finished. And I said, uh, fuck we're it. good? Oh my God. I don't know if we're finished for good. I have to double check, but wow, we've been off the Reddit game nice. for a while. But I saw a couple of you guys. You did shout us out on Reddit. As a recommendation, and that's awesome. Yeah, you guys got to you guys got to advertise for us. Yeah, we're we're out of the game. Yeah, we we are we are deeply out of the game. Um, but that's not going to stop us, right? No, no, won't. No, it ain't. Can't stop, won't stop. Anyways, I'll see you guys next week. Until then, keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>